your ancient words would be made known to us today, that they would change our hearts, that they would touch our hearts, and that if there is any way that our hearts aren't open to you, that you would open that right now, that we could hear these words and be transformed to love you more and to love each other more. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so our message this morning is from 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 27. And that's found on page 1784. And so as Pastor Dave mentioned last week, we're transitioning out of our series of Luke and Acts into this, the dynamics of cooperating with the Holy Spirit. So last week we read the story of Lazarus being raised from the dead And Pastor Dave focused on Jesus being motivated by love and compassion to raise Lazarus from the dead. And so today, we're looking at how living in obedience to God isn't something that's just for Jesus and Paul to do, but it's something we're all created to do as a body that works together. And so, let's start by reading the Word of God. Just as a body, though one, has many parts— But all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we are all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable, we treat with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is the word of the Lord. So many of us have heard this passage before on Paul relating the church to the body of Christ. And we're familiar to the body as we all have one. We know when it works and also when it's not working. And so in order to understand how, in order to work, the body must function as a unit. 
And a place where we see this working well is in track and field. Uh, how many of you have ever run track or been a part of a track meet? Um, I was a pole vaulter in high school, and uh, this is a field event where participants launch themselves over this bar using a single pole. And so pole vaulting takes a lot of technique. You have to sprint a certain number of steps down this track with this 12-foot-long pole, place it at the end of this box at the mat at just the right time so you're launched into the air, over the bar, and onto the mat. And you also have to rotate your body in the air while doing so so you land properly. And so in order to be a successful pole vaulter, the vaulter's legs must be quick. The brain must be calculating the number of steps so they can place the pole in the box at just the right time. The hands must have a firm grip on the pole, and the arms must be strong enough to pull the vaulter up over the bar. The abdominal muscles must be must contract as the vaulter lifts their legs and rotate to get over the bar. And this is just a brief picture of how the body works together to get over the bar. Well, I'd love to say I was a champion pole vaulter. It was more of just a fun challenge to undertake. But uh, having pole vaulted, it gives me a greater appreciation for those who can do it well. Because I know that in order to make it over a high bar, all of the parts of the body must be working together in unity. While we'd love to read examples in our text of the body of Christ in Corinth functioning in perfect unity and making it over this high bar, that's not the case. In fact, in our text, Paul took note of how the body of Christ in Corinth was not working together, and he writes this letter in response to them. And so here's a background on Corinth. The church in Corinth is this diverse church that's located on this small strip of land between the Mediterranean Sea in Europe and the Aegean Sea in Asia. It's a city where many traders would come and bring their goods. And it's into this well-cultured and wealthy city that Paul visits on his second missionary journey. In Acts 18, we read that Paul stays in Corinth for a year and a half working as a tent maker and preaching the word of God. He's met by opposition from the Jews, but the Holy Spirit encourages him to keep preaching to the Gentiles because he had people in Corinth who he wanted to be saved. And so when Paul writes this letter of 1 Corinthians, he's writing to people who are new to the Christian faith, many of whom are Gentiles, and who are greatly influenced by their surrounding culture, where many do not worship God and have this background of idol worship. And Paul relates this group of believers to a body, the body of Christ. However, this body isn't making it over the bar. They're falling short because there are members who don't feel like they belong because they aren't the same as other members. And on the other hand, there are members who pridefully say they don't need other members. And so we wonder, what's happened? Why is there division in the body of Christ? Why are people who are transformed by the Spirit and by the love of God treating each other this way? This is not how the body of Christ was intended to function. The feelings the Corinthians are struggling with Feelings of discouragement, 
of worthlessness, as well as of pride and self-assurance, are a result of comparison. Rather than comparing themselves to God and trying to be imitators of Christ, they're finding their identity outside of God. They're finding it in themselves and what others think of them. They're finding their value in their gifts, which Paul explains in the passage previous. And as a result, they're divided and they're unfulfilled. However, as I meditated on this passage more, I wondered if compassion was the, or comparison was the only problem. Because I wondered why. Why are they comparing themselves to each other and finding their identity outside of God? Maybe it's because they're new to the Christian faith. They're small in number, and they're in this society that prides itself on eloquent speech and on wealth and on power. Maybe this church is struggling to live differently than the world. While this church knows the truth that they are valued, they don't feel that way. Because those with preaching gifts are prized. And while the church knows that everyone is on this level playing field because of Jesus, leaders are treated with more respect and honor. The exchange that Paul gives when he explains how the foot says to the hand, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, doesn't come from this whining voice of a child, but it comes from the wounded and rejected adult who has been hurt by their brothers and sisters in Christ. Some don't feel valued because they found rejection one too many times. They're afraid of opening up to a new group of people. They're afraid of using their gifts as they're not sure what it is, and they're afraid of letting people down. They also don't see a place to use their gift, and so they decide they don't need each other. They believe they can function without other members. And they choose to function without other members. The sad reality is that we too struggle with the same problem of comparison and pride that the Corinthians struggle with in our text. We're familiar with feelings of rejection, of judgment, of insecurity, and of fear. We have felt like, and some of us still feel like, we don't belong. In families, children feel like they don't belong. They feel like they have to earn their parents' love. And at school, children feel like they don't belong. They're bullied because of the color of their skin, for being too smart, for being interested in music and lacking athletic ability. And in the workplace, people feel like they don't belong. They don't receive a raise because they're not as efficient a worker as somebody else. They aren't accepted because they may have high moral standards and don't swear like everyone else. Maybe they're older than everyone else or younger than all of their coworkers. Friends, I can honestly say that at one point or another, we've all felt like we don't belong. And while this is the reality of living in a world affected by the curse of sin, this should not be the reality in the body of Christ. This should not be the reality in the body of Christ. But it is. Because we too are affected by the curse of sin.
And we don't know what to do because we're stuck in this sin. And so we look to the one who has come to change the world. We look to Jesus. And the world is going to be broken until Jesus comes again. And we know we're broken. In fact, we celebrated this morning with communion, reminding ourselves that we are people who need a Savior. And even though this truth, we know it, that we aren't perfect, the church sometimes lives as if it is a place filled with perfect people. We go to church on Sunday and hear this message and leave. Meanwhile, no one knows the real struggle of marital issues or of pornography or of the insecurity and depression that we face every day. And we hear wonderful testimonies on Sunday mornings of the church living into their gifts, sharing the gospel with neighbors and strangers, using gifts of healing and praising God for what he's done. We want to rejoice with them. But the rejoicing quickly turns to self-condemnation and discouragement as we believe the lie that we aren't good enough. God will never use us like that. We base our worth on what others think of us rather than what God says and thinks about us. No one here should be saying, because I'm not, because I wasn't in the leadership course at Gold, I don't belong. Or because I'm not on the worship team, I don't belong. No one should be saying, because I'm a single mom, I don't belong. Or because of my past, I don't belong. We may feel inadequate, less than, and discouraged with how God made us the way he did and not like someone else. We may feel like the church doesn't need us. People would function fine without us. In fact, it seems like the church is functioning fine without us. Deep on the inside, we believe this lie because we have been hurt by others. We're scared of being vulnerable and of opening up for fear of being rejected again. We don't want to be vulnerable with others. We may be intimidated to step out and grow in our gift because what if God doesn't heal when we pray? And what if we aren't as good as someone else? How do we come against these feelings, against these lies? Paul offers us good news in the text by saying to those who feel like they don't belong, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. You belong not because of how you're using your gifts, because you love God, but because God loves you. He sent Jesus to die on the cross, making a way for you to be a member of his body. And he filled you with the Holy Spirit that you might be able to live into this reality. Friends, what is there to love about a dead body part? It's gross, it's messy, and it's worthless on its own. However, God did something amazing. He chose these dead body parts and brought them together. He gave them new life and purpose. And God did this not because it was what was natural to do, but because of his love. You and I and the Christians in Corinth were once dead, just as a hand that severed from the body is dead. But through the blood of Christ, we've been given this life and are united with him and joined with other members. And this is messy. 
And it takes time and patience and work as the body learns to do what it had never done on its own. And it's costly. It requires compromising and sharing and working together. As Paul says, it requires suffering with the members that suffer because we love them. But it also involves rejoicing with the members that are rejoicing because we love them. Because of God's great love, we are no longer orphaned body parts. Friends, this is good news. It's an incredible gift of God's grace. And after Paul shares about this news of the body of Christ, he can't help himself but overflows with the importance of love. Because love is at the center of the body of Christ. Because God is love. And Paul explains this love. It's not love that's self-seeking, desiring gifts so that we can be praised by men. And it's not love that envies, comparing their gifts to another's. It's love that protects, hopes, forgives, and perseveres. This love never fails. And God invites us this morning to know this love and to embody this love. Because when you know that you are loved, that you are a member of the body of Christ, gifted with unique gifts and function, your life is radically transformed. When you know that apart from Christ you are dead, and it's only because of his love that you've been given life, you are forever changed. Rather than finding your identity in your gifts, You find your identity as a beloved member of the body of Christ. Rather than living in safety and choosing to avoid using your gifts, you're sacrificially giving yourself to the body of Christ. Rather than being content with your gifts the way they are, you strive to be used by God in even a more powerful way, surrendering more and more of yourself to him. The church then becomes this living body that's growing and working together, sharing in the joys as well as the trials. And as a result, many more members are called from death into life and are invited to participate in this body. This is the joy-filled life that's only possible when we die to ourselves, receive Jesus as our life, and receive the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to embody this love. Because we are fully loved and adopted children whose identity, value, and worth come from God's love, we can grow into finding what part of the body God's crafted you to be. And then we can joyfully live that out. While this is good news for the Corinthians to hear, it's such good news for us too. That through the Holy Spirit, we're assured of God's love for us. That we belong. And as a result, we're compelled to work in unity, embodying this love that we've received. In order to share this with others and bring glory to God. And there are some in this congregation that I've witnessed. I could probably point out things of many more than this, um, but who embody the love of Christ. I think of members like Kathy Adama, who always writes cards to people for birthdays and Christmas. Just this encouragement that you belong, you are valued. 
I think of members like Alita and others who come before church and pray because they love the body of Christ and want everyone to see how God works and moves here. I think of people like Mark who reach out to neighbors and who work with youth and embody the love of Christ to our neighborhood. And of members like Chess and others who lead in worship because they love God and want others to know that our God is worthy of our praise. Each of them and each of you is filled with the same spirit. And we don't find this value in the gift itself, but in this opportunity to share God's love that we've been given with others. Now, none of us does this perfectly. But as we come to realize the love of God for us, we no longer feel like we don't belong because we found our identity as beloved children of God, as beloved members of his body. Some of us here today have been living into the gift we've been given, whether it be intercession, encouragement, or tongues, and that's wonderful. But I also want to encourage us this morning to ask the Lord if he wants to grow us in something else, or maybe he wants to use the gift he's given you in a different way. We're, we're people of habit. We get into these routines of the same devotion rhythm, the same rhythm on Sunday mornings, and just using our gifts in the same way. But God's encouraging us this morning to grow, to seek him, to step out in faith, and to grow in our gifts in new ways. Because, friends, love isn't stagnant. It's not something that we just check off the list, but it's something we're ever growing in, growing in loving God and in loving others. And so in order to understand how love is growing and how the body of the Christ must be a unit and keep growing, imagine with me a pole vaulter who consistently makes it over this six-foot bar, which is starting height for girls. There's a variety of reasons why a pole vaulter can only get over this low bar. Maybe their legs aren't strong enough, or their arms don't know how to hold the pole. Or maybe they haven't practiced working together as a body to get over this pole. Maybe they don't think they can. Or maybe they're afraid of going over a higher bar. The goal of pole vaulting isn't to make it over starting height but it's to make it over the highest bar. And the same goes for the body of Christ. The goal isn't to be in control of our lives and remain stagnant in our gifts, but it's to grow, to grow individually as well as a whole body of Christ. Because when the whole body grows in love for God and for each other, amazing things happen. The kingdom of God is advanced and more and more people come to know and love Jesus. And so let me ask you, do you know that you belong? If you're still struggling with believing this truth, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal this love of God to you. Maybe you can pray with a prayer partner after service this morning. And if you do know that you belong, do you know what part you are? Do you know your gifts? Maybe God's given you this gift of encouragement like Kathy. And if so, are you using this gift to encourage the body of Christ? Maybe you've been given a gift of teaching. And if so, are you using that gift of teaching to encourage and build up the body of Christ? 
So I invite you and I invite us to ask the Lord to show us in the next week and today if there's any way that we're withholding a part of who we are from the body of Christ. Is there any way that we're hurting the body of Christ by how we, re- how we view and relate to other members? Do we truly love everyone here at Gold Avenue Church? Are we suffering with those who suffer because we love them? And are we rejoicing with those who rejoice because we love them? These are difficult questions to think about. But as we allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, we allow room for growth, to grow in the gifts we already have as well as in the gifts we didn't know we had. We're transformed by the love of our God and are compelled to embody his love and live in unity as the body of Christ. And so, friends, I invite us to pray. So pray with me. God, we thank you that you are a God of grace. God, you know us. You know the ways we've been hurt and the ways we feel like we don't belong and need to earn your love. You know the fear we have of opening up to others, the fear of discovering our gifts and the cost that comes with it. But God, we thank you that you don't cast us out of your body because of our sin and replace us with someone else. But you remind us of who we are. We are a part of your body. We are loved by you. We are gifted and empowered to share this love with others. And so God, we pray that you would meet us with your grace and with your love this morning. That you would reveal the gifts that you've given to us and give us faith and a desire to embody your love to the world because there's nothing greater we could do. God, we love you. And we want those in our family, in our neighborhood, and in our workplace to know you and to find their place in your body that we might all bring you glory, showing the world that you are God. You are love. You are life. You alone are joy. So we thank you for this wonderful gift. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and respond to our singing. Just just preached on and read from said, we've all been given one spirit to drink. And I believe that God just gave us an incredible drink from him of his love while she was preaching. And so we just thank you, Lord, for that. And we honor and um, bless you, Marissa, for bringing the word from the Lord. And I want to bless each of you now to continue to drink from the love that God has for you to you are full and flowing over until your entire sense of your worth and your value and your identity as a person is grounded in the love of Jesus Christ so that you're full to the brim and flowing over. And so the Lord bless you to do that, but the Lord also bless you to come out of hiding if you are hiding parts of yourself and keeping parts of yourself from being a fully alive body part in the body of Christ, receive his love, come out of hiding, 
Use your gifts. And the Lord bless you to look on each member of his body with the same love that he has for that member. Amen. I am lifted up.